It's the Trolls 2 of Shakespeare plays. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, it is. It is the Trolls 2 of Shakespeare plays. You don't have to pretend to be surprised as though that's not an observation you made two days ago. I'm honestly, I was was surprised (laughs) that you said that because I was like, oh, I did say that and I am absolutely right. Patrons. Hello, gentles all. And welcome to What You Will. A tedious and brief Shakespeare podcast. I'm Charlotte Aline. And I'm Danielle Cohn. We're still at home. And we're going to talk to you about Antony and, and Cleopatra. Cleopatra. You know, Here's I'm the sure thing. you're surprised that we're, we're, final, we're doing one on a play for the first time in a minute. Here's the thing. It's a it's a good play. Really, it's a good play. So it's it's a play about a man who just wants to die and can't get any friends to do it. And it's a play about Instagram stalking your current boyfriend's new wife. It's a play about just like the fact that an, a healthy relationship is impossible. So you might as it's a play is that it, is yeah. the Shakespeare equivalent of Taylor Swift's Blank Space. It is the yes, absolutely. <laughs> it is Blank Space, the Shakespeare play. It's transcendent. Um, I, I think I, this was one that I had not read Me or neither. seen or been in or had any contact with. Um, and I think... We went in raw. We went in raw. No. Danielle just yelled at me for saying that we were going to do the synopsis raw because we weren't going to pull up the Wikipedia page. This is, in a way, our most raw podcast episode. And honestly, get ready for our hottest take so far. That it's a good play. Spoiler alert. Our hot take on this play is that the reason people think it's bad is that they think it's a tragedy. But it's actually... One of Shakespeare's funniest comedies. It's so funny. Antony and Clap- Cleopatra. <laughs> Cleopatra. Here we are. <laughs> Antony and his friend Cleo. Antony and his good, good gal pal. If you realize that this play is a comedy, it becomes one of Shakespeare's it funniest comedies. It becomes wonderful. The context that we should give is that I think you're like run-of-the-mill person who likes Shakespeare but hasn't read like every single play probably has a negative view of Antony and Cleopatra. Yeah, I know going in I had heard it was like fine and I had one friend who really liked it but I I think most people who like it who are Shakespeare nerds kind of like it because Cleopatra is such a badass and that's sort of what you hear it's like the play is weak but Cleopatra's cool but people don't do the play. Yeah, it doesn't get done very often. It has a hundred million characters even for a Shakespeare (laughs) play. Wild number of characters, no plot. You need to understand so much Roman history to make any sense of it. The main lovers are awful. Oh, it's the perfect play. Mostly I had heard that eh, it's not the greatest play. It's kind of a weird latter day uh, history play because all his his old place Shakespeare just like stops giving a fuck. It's true. We were talking about, and, and we'll get to the synopsis in a moment, but the play itself has this weird feeling that a lot of his later plays have that it's not a one-to-one with your measure for measure or your, uh, what was the other one we were talking about? Or Winter's, Winter's Tale. Tale. yeah. But it does share this like just sense of like slightly strange. <laughs> this kind of like, like off-kilter Little humor. like wink at the audience a little bit in like hyper awareness that of itself. It, of itself, yeah. And it's just, I mean, 
it tonally it reminded me of like Veep or Arrested Development or Monty Python. Or, yeah, like, literally the scene where Anthony is dying. Basically, he he gets wait wait okay. Yeah, we'll save save okay. for the synopsis. So here's the synopsis. Here's the synopsis of Anthony and Cleopatra. Okay, so we read this play over the course of one week, and we also read it aloud, aloud to, each, to other, each other, which is the best way to experience Anthony and Cleopatra is. In the evening, when you're both tired, making up voices for each new yeah. character of the 60,000 characters. Yeah, just kind of a cold read with funny voices. Yeah. So I'm sure we missed the odd detail here and there. But here we go. So it opens, and we're in Egypt. We're in Egypt. And Antony, who you might remember from the Julius Caesar play, it took me until <laughs> yeah, halfway through Act 3 to be like, wait... <laughs> This is the same Mark Antony, <laughs> which is one of the dumber things that I've Danielle said. Danielle looks at me process. and she's like, this is the same Mark Antony from Julius Caesar. And I'm to like, be fair, yeah. I didn't recognize him because in Julius Caesar, he's a genius. He's and smart. in Antony and Cleopatra, he's an idiot. Yeah. But, you know. That non- that's why it's the Trolls too. They take the in case you haven't seen Trolls okay, World Tour. Stop. Halt the synopsis. Halt the synopsis. First, <laughs> for you to truly understand Antony and Cleopatra, you must understand Trolls and, and Trolls, Trolls 2. 2. So the other <laughs> night we watched Trolls 2. Why you ask? Because the McCoy brothers, brothers are in it, in it and we love two. them. Go um, check out their podcast. The McCoy brothers will be in Trolls 2. Yeah. Uh, so we watched Trolls Tro- World Tour. <laughs> Sorry, Trolls World Tour. We watched Trolls world tour and, and it was genius. good so anyway we watched trolls world tour uh-huh. and it's like this beautiful movie it's brilliantly animated the characters are delightful there's a new bit every moment and it's also got this like lovely sophisticated message about imperialism yeah. and smashing systems in order to create better justice and cultural appropriation versus cultural interchange exchange, exchange. Um, yeah yeah, it, it, it's a very lovely, nuanced, anti-colonial movie, which I don't think we were expecting. It's also, like, the animation is beautiful. You can really see, like, the materiality that the world they live in is all, like, blankets and felt and stuff. It's very You it, thought this was going to cool. be a podcast by Anthony um, Cleopatra, suckers. You fools. It's also, <laughs> like, it's got, I, I think, a pet peeve of mine in the DreamWorks oeuvre is that they, like, shoehorn in a lot of dumb pop songs into the kids' movie, and it's certainly no Disney musical. But this one, they so they really use different genres of pop music in such a like smart way. Well, they, they made it part that's of the, the plot. That's the plot yeah, is so. that all the little trolls have their own different music genres and they all live in little tribes of music genres. It's um, adorable. It's adorable. So we were like, oh my gosh, we're on a roll. It's early in the night. Let's watch Trolls 1 mm-hmm. and find out the backstory of these characters. And it was an entirely different So Trolls 2, they're all like cute little trolls and like some of them are like llama trolls but they and some look of like them smurfs. are fish trolls. Like they don't look like trolls they look like troll doll i think anyone anyone who's gotten this far into the episode and also 2020 knows that we're talking about the anna kendrick justin timberlake like cute troll doll from the 80s trolls yes but i'm just making the point that like it's Mm -hmm. it's like a cute animated version of those trolls they're definitely cuter than the troll dolls i will argue okay they're cuter than the troll dolls well except that they've given all of the male trolls crow's feet as a like secondary sex characteristic and none of the female trolls which i take umbrage with (laughs) because it makes the matchup of branch and poppy look like a may december relationship and it's it's harrowing but so they're all very cute and in in trolls world tour they're all like little cute little trolls and all different designs so we expected the same tenor of movie for trolls one no no trolls one is sort of an attack on titan uh just sobering joyless 
It's one romp. of those kids movies that suffers from the the stakes being just too high because essentially the premise is that these horrible, gross looking, and I don't just mean gross, I mean like the animation of them is gross and cheap looking. Yeah, th- think like Shrek from Shrek, but by that I mean also the animation level of Shrek, but in 2020. Yeah, but you you if you're like me, you've forgotten how bad it is, go back and look at it. Anyway, so <laughs> there, there are these gross trolls, and the premise of the movie is that they can't feel joy, so they eat the cute <laughs> trolls, and that's where we start. So it's like this yeah. weird like movie about genocide. It's a movie about it. It's like Attack on Titan. It's like the little cute trolls are being eaten by the Bergens, which are the the ugly Grendel like trolls. It's also like Beowulf vibes. It's awful. I mean, it, you know, whatever. It's a fine. It's kids still movie. cute as a kids it's movie, like... but when you've watched Trolls Two, <laughs> Trolls World Tour, which they didn't even make it Trolls Two because they were like, this is a different movie. It's in an alternate it's a universe. Hard it is a whole different like origin story. <laughs> so the point is that we come bring this back around to the fact that Antony and Cleopatra is like the Trolls World Tour of Julius Caesar in that they were like, here are the three things people liked best about Trolls and yeah. Julius Caesar, and they took them into this new play that has a totally different tonal yeah, setup. Yeah, The events of Trolls 1 still happen in Trolls 2 because Poppy and Branch, the two leads, you're Justin Timberlake and you're Anna Kendrick, are like friends or something. Because um, of, they, I guess, what they, happened in the first movie. They are become friends because of they saved each other from genocide and oblivion. <laughs> I mean, the enemy is oblivion in <laughs> Trolls 1, which is... And the enemy is... The Trolls, enemy is this dark night. <laughs> yeah, it's just... It's like the concept of death. Um, yeah, whereas, like, uh, <laughs> Cleopatra is like, so Julius Caesar, the plot of that still happened, and if you don't know it, none of this will make a lick of sense, well, but... It, but, it, so, but yet it will, because fuck well, that yeah, one. I mean, we're f- just gonna take the Mark Antony. Um, you need so much context of Roman history to, like, actually understand what they're talking about but even if you don't you can follow the interpersonal relationship which is the meat of the plot yeah and it's just it is this over the top comedy until like the last two scenes and i'm gonna argue even those are funny so anyway let's get to the synopsis right, okay. so that you can so know antony right. and cleopatra are they're in egypt yes and everyone <laughs> is like is being shady because they're like whoa antony's so into cleopatra he's not even doing mm-hmm. his job very well and then to be fair we see that happen a messenger comes on and instead of listening to the message they end up having a weird pseudo-sexual like banter that turns into like yeah. let's just go bang and they yeah. don't listen to the message yeah. so we're like mm-hmm. okay that's what's up in Egypt right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we... God, I don't remember Okay, so the meanwhile, <laughs> like, <laughs> we find out that Pompey is kind of this, like, big bad threat uh, because we've created the triumvirate at the end of Julius Caesar. So it's Antony and Octavius and one other guy's name I forgot. Uh, the rabbit one. Lepidus. Lepidus. The, the um, three of them so at the end of Julius Caesar are like, we're going to be allies. And so Pompey's a big threat. And then we find because out... Because Pompey yeah. was part of the... For OG triumvirate with Julius Caesar and another guy. And he and Julius had that big breakup where Julius crossed the Rubicon and everyone was mad. So Pompey's son is now still out to get Yeah, them. because everyone in this one is basically the son of everybody except else. For except Mark for Mark Antony, Antony, who's still old. Who's just chilling. So you've got, that's all going on. And then amidst that, Mark Antony's wife, Fulvia, <laughs> dies. So he gets a message that Fulvia is dead. And yeah. that has been a whole point of contention where Cleopatra's like, and you're married anyway. 
Yeah. How do I even trust your love? And he, so he says, I have to go back to Rome. I have to go talk to Octavius Caesar because my wife was stirring up shit. Yeah. And I have to make sure everything's cool. Well, because Fulvio was like making, making wars, wars at, <laughs> at Octavius. Octavian, as they call him in most of the play. Yes. Whatever. Augustus. Gus. Uh, so Gus, Antony. Gus. Just picture him as the Gus, mouse Gus. from. Uh, yeah. So. And Antony, he leaves Egypt and Cleopatra is sad. And Antony goes and talks to Octavian and Octavian is like, I can't believe you. We are supposed to be BFFs since your dad slash great uncle got stabbed, Julius. But But now your like wife and brother also who never appears in the play are making wars on me. And I'm like really pissed and you never fight Pompey. And I asked you to like do that one war thing and you didn't do it. And Antony is like, in my defense, I did get your message it's just that I was incompetent. Exactly. He's like, I didn't not do it on purpose. I, I just didn't did do it because I'm bad. Badly. Anyway, so so they make up. They kiss and make up because Octavian, or actually um, Agrippa, Agrippa. Agrippa every, everyone, guys. everybody has a it's, wild it's name. entourage. The Shakespeare play. Everyone has a like seven person deep entourage that they're rolling up with in every scene. Yeah. So one of uh, Caesar's peeps is like, Oh, hey, I know how to fix everything forever. Caesar, you have a sister, Octavia. Not to be confused with Octavian, he should just marry your sister. And it's amazing because somebody, I think it's you know Barbus, but it might be someone else, starts to be like, "But Mark Antony's so in love with Cleopatra, he would never." And Antony's like, "Shh, I'm not married. I'm not married. It's fine. What's your proposition? What's your proposition?" Yeah, <laughs> Antony's like, "Wait, what? Hey, hang on, hang on. What she look like?" Yeah. Um. So and so <laughs> is she's she cute though. So Caesar's like. Cool, great. You're gonna marry my sister. I love it. This fixes everything, and now we're BFFs again. And so they go so off. They go, and, and then we Antony jump back to his sister. Yes, and then we, we jump back, back to Egypt. Egypt, and we have this scene is not important to the plot, but it's so fucking funny. Where basically Cleopatra's being it sad. is important to the plot. I mean, it, it is. So the, a messenger comes in to tell her that. Mark Antony has married Octavia. Yeah. And she has just the funniest scene. She's, she beats him up and then she makes him come back and she beats him up again. And then at the end of it, she's like, go find information about Octavia. Tell me the color of her hair. Tell it's, me everything about it's her. Incredible it's transcendent. Because Cleopatra is the greatest comedic character in all of Shakespeare. She's like Julia Louis Dreyfus in Veep. Yeah. She, because one, she just kind of like steamrolls everyone is like her chief character trait that she knows she She's like the the queen, the, queen, the smartest, prettiest, sexiest. craftiest, sexiest woman in the world. But also she's incredibly insecure about her relationship with Antony because it's a bad and terrible relationship. And this whole scene is just her being like, messenger, you must tell me the news. Oh no, I can tell from your face that it's bad news. Oh my God, if it's bad news, if it's bad news, I'll kill myself. And the messenger's like, it's not bad. Hey, so, um, <laughs> Here's the new. It's, it's just it, she keeps like uh, predicting what he's gonna say, and then she literally pulls a knife on him. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's beautiful character development. When he dares to say that uh, Antony is married, so and, she's obsessed. So then she's upset. We jump back to Rome. Uh, Antony and Octavia have been married. Mm-hmm. We have a lovely awkward scene where there's a lot of sexual tension between Octavius and Octavia, a brother and sister duo that makes everyone uncomfortable. It's why it's wild. Is that scene before or after they hang out with Pompey? No one knows. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And also, we do also get a small scene of, you know, Barbus, our favorite character. He's just like this... He's like Antony's right-hand man. He's Antony's right-hand man, and he tells a long story about (laughs) how Antony and Cleopatra met and Uh how cute it was and literally describes everything about the boat, and he's he's shipping them real hard. Just like the 
shocked that Antony would marry someone The else. color of the boat and everything everyone was wearing. Yeah, one of the, the greatest lines in uh, Shakespeare is, and the poop was beaten gold. Yeah, <laughs> like, like the part right. of a boat. Um, so Octavia, Octavia and Octavian have this super upsetting scene where Octavian is like saying goodbye to his sister who's going to go off to Egypt with Antony. And he's just like, my darling sister, the most beautiful woman in the world. It, like he has a hard on for his sister. And everyone and keeps like trying to interrupt him and then feels awkward about it. At the yeah. End. It's great. Antony keeps having lines like, anyway, off we go. Um, so they, so the, the second triumvirate, they're all back together. They go and they see Pompey. Is mm-hmm. Antony there for that? Don't remember. Yeah, it doesn't matter. The plot is so secondary. Exactly. Really, the, we're <laughs> um, going to tell you this full plot because that is part of what we do here on this podcast. But all that really makes the thing that makes this play cool are the like relationships between the characters, which are actually very easy to follow. Yeah. Um, oh, also there are these two pirates that they've just like befriended who are just who, there who are the just like time. hanging out. So yeah. So Pompey uh, invites them to a boat party on his boat. They have a boat party. There's like some subterfuge that goes on where that's actually a great scene with one of the pirates. Yeah. Where one of the pirates is like, Pompey, why don't we just shove off and then cut the throats of your enemies who are on board? And Pompey's like, why didn't you just fucking do that? Because now that you've told me with your words, I have have to say say no. no. But if you've done it, I would have been like, chill, bro. Thanks. So anyway, Pompey's not not thrilled, but they have like an uneasy peace with him. Um, and Antony's like, I'm going back to Egypt. Oh, Antony also has the scene with the soothsayer. Yeah, there's a soothsayer <laughs> that like pops up a lot in the first half and then doesn't come back. Where the Never soothsayer is like, he's like, hey, soothsayer that I, for some reason, brought with me <laughs> brought from with Egypt. Me. How do you like Rome? And the soothsayer is like, I hate it. And here's a soothsayer reason that we should go home and to so Egypt. And Antony's like, oh, I have to go back to Egypt. Um, so uh, yeah, so- he basically asks, can I trust Caesar? And the soothsayer is like, Hell no. No, don't trust Caesar. Caesar will beat you if you fight. So he goes back to Egypt. Um, There's another scene with Cleopatra and the messenger, the same messenger. specifies that it's the same messenger. She's like, hey, I get that I was kind of a bitch before, but like, in my defense, you did bring me really bad news and you should not have done that. Yeah, like, sorry I pulled a knife on you, but you really shouldn't tell people bad news. Yeah. Um, And so she finds out, she Instagram stalks Octavia, where she's like, how tall is she? What's her voice like? Am I taller? Oh, I'm taller than her? Hmm. Okay, okay weird. And Antony, like, I don't think, does Octavia make it all the way to Egypt? Unclear. There's a... I don't think so, because it, then there's a scene, I think it's in the interim, although I don't know. I think I they're, like, to check. traveling. I think it's while they're traveling that basically Antony realizes that his uneasy piece with Octavius is even more uneasy than he thought it was. And so he says to Octavia, he, like, tells it to Octavia, clearly angling for her to be like, of course I will help, which she does. Yeah. So he's like, amazing. So you, babe, you're going to go back and tell your brother not to fight me. And I'm just going to go back to Egypt just because I like it there, not because my wife, like, my secret wife is there. Yeah. And she's like, great. I love that plan. So she goes (laughs) back to Rome to be like, please don't fight my husband. Yeah, so um, it's 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 an amazing scene because the whole scene is Antony being like, you know what might be great if you weren't here, and if I was also and if with I Cleopatra went also just in case you're unclear on Antony and Cleopatra's relationship, like they're not legally married, but everyone knows they're together to the point that they have three recognized children together. True, and they also there's language in the play where she calls him husband. Yeah, like, like they're super together. Yeah, yeah. So Octavia goes back to Rome. 
home and Caesar is like, who's this bitch? Oh my God, is that my precious beloved sister? My beautiful baby sister? My beautiful, gorgeous, sexual sister? How could he have sent you here and not on like a hundred ships? Well, yeah. now that you're safe, I will not let him have you. Yeah, Octavia. like, Octavius <laughs> wants to fuck his sister. He really does. And Octavia is just like, yeah. No, it's it's fine. I just came here to tell you not to fight my husband. And he's like, I'm that just makes me want to fight him harder. So because <laughs> he didn't send Octavia with enough pomp and circumstance, and also because he went back to Cleopatra, uh, he's like, fuck these guys. I'm going to fight them. Uh, so Antony and Cleopatra are reunited. Yay. And they, uh, it's described off screen, off stage, that they um, have this like dank party where they probably actually did get married historically and parade around the captured uh, royal family oh, yeah, of Armenia. And Cleopatra dresses up as Isis. It's yeah. like very yeah. fancy. She was also dressed as I think Aphrodite when they met. There's a lot of just kind of like role play outside of the bedroom making everyone uncomfortable. So that makes Caesar and everyone even angrier. Lepidus does something that makes everyone upset. Yeah, I don't remember what it is. So basically <laughs> the next major plot point is that Antony and Octavius decide outright to fight and there's this whole series of scenes of everyone being like, Antony, don't face him on the sea. He's really <laughs> good on the sea so and you suck on the sea. You're so bad at the and, sea. And he's like, fuck you all. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> so he fights Octavius on the sea and surprise, he's losing really badly yeah. and then Cleopatra sails her ship out and he sees it and she retreats and he follows her. Mm -hmm. And so his men are really demoralized because they're like, wow, the guy leading this war totally peaced out and we lost. And a mm -hmm. bunch of his people defect to Caesar because they're so disappointed in him. And even his like right-hand man, Inubarbus, who's just like been so pro him and Cleopatra and so like his hype mm -hmm. man mm -hmm. is like, wow, I'm really disappointed in him. I think it's like, I'll give him one last chance. I'm going to go back to him. Yeah. But I'm really disappointed. And then he goes back to Cleopatra and like yells at her and blames her. For Antony his... does. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Not Inobarbus. He never yells Inobarbus at would never yell at anyone. Um, He's our especially good boy. not Cleopatra because we'll get there. Yeah. But anyway, no, Antony goes back and he rails at Cleopatra who takes it and he's like, it's all your fault. It's all your fault. And then by the end he's like, I'm sorry, babe. It's not all your fault. And let's just have a party and then I'll deal with this tomorrow. And she's like, good, because it is my birthday. <laughs> In one of the greatest Shakespeare lines, and one that she, gets thrown away often. It's, it's, I mean, if you're being charitable to Antony, he's like, I'm so mad at you, but just kidding, let's have a party. And she's like, oh, you remember my birthday. And if you're being not charitable to Antony, he's just like, whatever, let's have one last party before we all die. And Cleopatra's like, oh, conveniently, it happens to be my birthday. Yeah, you were just yelling at me a lot, but On my cool. birthday. It he is yells like, at her on her birthday. He He's a bad boyfriend. Anyway, so that all happens. <laughs> Did I miss anything important in the middle there? I don't think so. Great. They're mad at Lepidus for doing some bullshit. He, I don't know. There's The wars are going bad. The triumvirate right. is falling apart. Everyone, it's, it's a mess. Lepid oh, Lepidus gets really, really tanked at the party on the boat with Everybody Pompey. gets drunk. Yeah. It's a really drunken um, scene. And so then they're like, okay, new plan. I'm going to fight Octavius. I'm going to challenge him to a fight one-on-one -on -one and on land. Because I'm much better at those So things. they're going to fight on land. And, and everyone's like, yeah, we told you that. Yeah. And then... So basically then they go and they <laughs> There's fight. There's a lot of short scenes. And then they're losing oh, and, again, and I think. Basically they're losing again. I'm jumping ahead a little bit. But yeah. there are a couple of important emotional things that happen. One is that Antony goes to fight and he's like, hey, where's Enobarbus? And they're like, oh, he left. He defected. Yeah. He doesn't believe in you anymore. <laughs> 
he was really disappointed in all of your behavior, so he's not there. And Antony, to his credit as a character, is bummed by it and doesn't mm-hmm. blame him and actually totally gets where he's coming from and takes a modicum of responsibility. And then we do see Unabarbus during the battle and he's like, wow, I'm so ashamed that I left my best friend and he oh, kills okay. himself. Okay, I, sorry, I, I looked up the thing that happened in between. Um, so basically they're losing and Octavia sends a messenger to Cleopatra to be like, hey, do you want to oh, join this. our side? And she's like, interesting. And he's like, hey, Caesar knows that you weren't really with Antony. He forced himself upon you. And Cleopatra's like, that's definitely definitely what what happened. happened. And then Antony shows up and freaks out and is like, we'll have this messenger whipped. We'll whip this messenger. Go whip this messenger. Both of them are just abuse. They're both like the, they're, they are the reason the phrase don't shoot the messenger exists. They're also the kind of couple that both of them would yell at a waiter. Like they're the worst people. So they, they send the messenger away and Cleopatra's like, oh baby. Yeah, I was, I never doubted you. And Antony just keeps doing his, I mean, both of them are like completely mercurial yeah it's just like your textbook bad relationship where they go from like screaming at each other to being like oh baby i'm so sorry uh so antony does some of that at her and he's like all mad and blaming her for the fact that they're losing and he's like no we're gonna go fight more so they go they go back to fighting more whatever they lose the the battle and antony denounces cleopatra and totally blames her again uh, blames her again a second well the first time he blames her and then he's like but baby, I love you. It's your birthday. I'm going to take you out. He's also like, to be fair, I guess you're right. I didn't have to follow your ship as you were leaving. He makes this crazy argument that's like, you knew my heart was so knitted to yours that if I saw you leave, I would have to leave. Like, and I'm like, Antony, this sounds like a you problem. Like, I will say, they're both bad people. Like, Cleopatra fully, she's like, so Antony's married to the messenger in the first messenger scene? He's like, yeah. And she pulls a knife and everyone's like, Cleopatra, Cleopatra, no. Can you not? Can but, you so not? like, she's horrible to other people. But in their relationship, I would say Antony is worse when they're in the scene together. It's true. Because she's... It is interesting because she has a... And she establishes right at the top in one of her first scenes that her whole tack with Antony is like, if he's in a good mood, she's mean. If she's in yeah. a bad mood, she's... It's like always the opposite of what he thinks he wants. Yeah. Always keeps him guessing she literally has an exchange with her best friend charmian um who's like she's like well i can't be nice to him he would leave me yeah and charmian's like you could just like be nice to him and she's like no that's <laughs> bad um anyway so it, it's he has a pattern of these scenes where he like rages at her when and he's then in pain when he's he when he is fucked up losing. like he literally leaves the battle because she leaves the battle and then he blames her for it being like babe i love you so much that you knew that i would do this it's just like classic bad boyfriend behavior and then at the end he's always like but i'll bake you a cake oh he also gives a like bad saint crispin's day speech to his troops right before the second battle where they all start crying and cleopatra and nina barbas are like antony making them cry is not you effective. made them cry you're <laughs> again look get into it but we're gonna basically it's trace funny. you through why this play if you play it straight is wrong it's, it's a it's comedy. a comedy anyway so um so antony for the second time yells at cleopatra blames her for the fact that he's losing this dumb battle that is happening because he decided to marry uh, a woman he didn't love and cleopatra books it she runs away she's like eep you're gonna kill me i'm i'm running away and so he's all mad and then uh, a messenger so many messengers he gets a text from cleo being like i'm gonna kill myself well she says go send a message to him that i'm gonna kill myself just to be safe and she hides out in a monument in like yeah. her what will be her death too many yeah she goes hi- and hides in her tomb 
because she's, she's dramatic. an Egyptian queen, so she already has a tomb. I think the I, I think the only information we have in that scene is that the messenger comes and is like, she's dead. And Antony's like, oh my god, I messed up, I messed up, I messed up. Oh my god, I'm so upset. And he kind of starts being like, well, if she killed herself, I guess I should kill myself, huh? And so like he asks his one of his guards or soldiers to kill him, and the soldier's like, Really? I really don't want to do I don't that. Want to. And he's like, no, 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 please, just just kill me, just kill me. And the soldier's like, okay. Turn and around first. <laughs> and then the soldier kills himself instead. I know. And then Antony's like, okay, good point. I guess I could have just killed myself. So then he tries to kill himself, but he does it wrong. So he's <laughs> just like very slowly dying. This is a, why it's a comedic scene. I picture it, like the way to picture it is like, have you ever seen uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Yeah, it's, it's like, like the, the Black Knight. Blood from the black knight just like spurting yeah, no, absolutely. so he's like he's like slowly bleeding out and then his guards come out and he's like please one of you friends kill me and Someone they're all like no so no one's down to kill Antony so they bring him to Cleopatra oh no 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 because as he's bleeding out A another, messen- another messenger, messenger comes and he's like hey so Cleopatra told me that she wanted to make you like sad that she was dead so that you wouldn't <laughs> be mad at her anymore but then she realized that you do love her so you might kill yourself if you hear she's dead so she sent me just in case oh I'm too late huh so sorry <laughs> so yeah also the fact that Cleopatra was like, go tell him I'm dead. Actually, no, that's probably a bad idea. Go tell him I'm not dead. <laughs> Just like that little pause is enough that it's all ruined. So, so he's they, like, well, that sucks, but I guess, can you just bring I'm me to now. her? Yeah, so they bring him to Cleopatra, to where she's hiding in the tomb, and she's like, oh, Antony, no, baby, no, don't die. Don't bleed on my dress, but don't die. <laughs> yeah, she. he keeps being like, hold me, and she's like, um, I mean, maybe I won't. Okay, but... Uh, maybe not. I guess I will. She's, like, kind of creeped out that he's, like, bleeding out. It's also one of those where, like, she, even on his deathbed, she's like, no, let me talk. And he's like, no, I have, I'm dying. Can I just tell you this one thing? She's like, no, I have more to say. Yeah, she's like talking over him, trying to give his last words. And he finally dies. But he does tell her to trust. Now, we were saying Proculius, but I watched another thing that was like, called it Procules. Regardless, he says some to trust good, only one person within Caesar's train. Yeah. A, a name we have never heard yet. Just some guy. Every single scene of this play, they're like, Enter Dolabella, Descartes, Proculitus. It's just like nine guys yeah, you've Dolabella. never seen before yeah. or since. And uh, don't, again, and also, surprise, if you were staging this, you could totally elide them into oh, one person yeah, you for could, so much You could of cut it. down the entourages. So Antony dies, and Cleopatra faints, and all her women are like, oh, my queen, oh no. And then Cleopatra hops back up, and she's like, everyone ki- chill, everyone be calm, it's fine. I, You know, part of me wants to kill myself now because my love is up, but I, I, don't I, think I, I think I'm gonna wait on it. Yeah, um, and so then she gets visited by these multiple people yeah. from Caesar because her big thing is her pride, where she's like, I don't want to be led in a triumph under any circumstances. Yeah, which is like a, a military victory parade. Kind of, you can um, think of like Game of Thrones, Cersei, like shame, shame, yeah, shame. Yeah, yeah. So she's like, anything but well, that. First we get Caesar's reaction to Antony's death. Oh, which is beautiful. Where they, they go tell Caesar, they're like, Antony's dead. And oh, Eno Barbara also kills himself because he... Him, oh, I think I said that. Did I not say that? No, we said that he left and Antony was like, 
Oh. In that big battle I where Anthony well. ends up killing himself, the scene before that we see Inabarbus and he's like, wow, I'm really sad that I abandoned my best friend Anthony. I'm ashamed. I'm going to kill myself. And then he just like does. And everyone's really surprised. <laughs> he falls into addition and dies um, as he says he will. And there are like four very comedic soldiers who are like, is he dead? Is he sleeping? It's incredible. Um, anyway, so Anthony's dead. They go to Caesar and they're like, Caesar, good news. Anthony's dead. And Caesar's like, oh, just like I, that? I didn't mean for anyone to die. I mean, it doesn't quite say that, although that is the tone. But what he does say is like, how, again, in the mean, being mean to messengers yeah. is the secret yeah. subgame of this play. <laughs> yes. Where he's like, how could you say it just, just with such a straight face? Like, you should, you should be yelling it. You should be crying it. Like, Anthony was really great. We he never talked about him <laughs> So, So he feels bad that Anthony's dead. And so he sends this message to Cleopatra basically being like, we can be cool. Yeah, being like, hey, it's okay. I'll I'm not give you gonna, some land. Yeah, I'm not going to kill you. I won't kill you or your children. She has four children who never appear in the play or just mentioned. Uh, yeah, I won't kill you. And they send the guy pro... Cuculius? Proculius or Proculius, you can say Pericles. We don't care. Uh, they send Hercules they send the to pro. her, and he's like, I'm that guy Antony told you about. And she's like, yeah, I don't, I don't care about that. I still um, don't trust I you. I don't trust you. Uh, and I think Caesar goes to visit her himself as well. Basically, she gets told multiple times that yeah. he's not going to lead her in triumph, but then one guy tells her that he will probably do that. I think it's Dolabella. It's Dolabella. <laughs> Um, Dolabella keeps it real. Dolabella's like, he's definitely going to do it. And she's like, cool, cool. Then I'm going to kill myself. So she gets a clown whose name is Clown. Again, <laughs> proof that this play is a comedy. It's like two pages from the end of this history play where everyone dies. All our main characters kill themselves in this play. It should be a very sobering moment. And a character called Clown walks on and does a bunch of like... Worm jokes. Just, They're jokes about the worm. Just a bunch of like dick jokes about a worm, meaning the snake that he's bringing her to, yes. to kill he, herself Yes, and he brings with. it, he's supposedly bringing her something else, but he smuggles They're her like, in this asp. A man is um, here with figs. And she's like, I know what figs these are. And then it's yeah. a... He, is he uh, the only one who speaks prose in like almost the whole play? I don't think so. The there soldiers was quite might. a bit of prose throughout okay. the play. I meant to clock it, but surprise, I didn't. Great. Um, but it's a play that it, I do think I, you know, on our next go round of Antony and Cleopatra, I'd love to do a deeper dive into <laughs> yeah. when they're speaking in prose yeah, yeah, and when yeah, they're yeah. not. But the the clown is definitely talking in prose. But I will say this prose feels most like like what we know historically is that the clowns, especially when the name in the play is clown, mm-hmm. were essentially the the Shakespeare equivalent of comedians of the day doing their own riffing. Yeah, and like weirdly these jokes feel like placeholder ones yeah. like it feels like whoever this guy was was just a funny guy who either sold the shit out of these lines yeah. or like kind of riffed on all of them but this was the structure yeah so like the clown a clown comes out and does improv yeah two pages from the end of the play yeah it's why and Cleopatra keeps saying like please just give me the snakes and leave and he's like a worm such as this is no common worm and you're just like why are you here and then Cleopatra gets the snake and I and then she kisses one of her like ladies in waiting yeah. Iris or Iris Iris <laughs> and then she um, dies and she straight up dies and Cleopatra's like oh I guess the poison was strong oops my be and then she goes to kill herself by putting yeah. the asp on her breast yeah. and then on her arm she has some amazing like Charmion so Iris is like her, her second in like the mean girl posse Charmion is like Gretchen and yes. Iris is like Karen yeah um, and so Cleopatra, so Karen dies, 
And Kakach is like, whoops. And then she has the snake bite her and Charmian is like, oh, my queen, like freaking out a little bit. And she's like, hush, Charmian, I'm feeding my baby. Or says something just so creepy. So weird. Making the snake like her baby who's nursing. It's also, there's been snake oh imagery God. the whole time. Yeah. Like, Mark Antony definitely calls her my serpent in bed. Oh, yeah. And yeah, there's a lot of talking, talking about her as, I mean, they call her Egypt a lot, which it wasn't weird. They called monarchs by their kingdoms often. Yeah. Although he only calls her Egypt when he's mad at her. Yeah, he's always like... <laughs> This is because of She you, literally Egypt. has a line once he starts being nice to her in the birthday scene where he calls her <laughs> Cleopatra finally. She's like, oh, if you're returned to Mark Antony, then I shall be Cleopatra. Like, great, we're calling ourselves by real names now? Nice. I like this That's tone great. better, babe. Anyway, um, so she kills herself with the asp. Yeah. And then Cle- uh, Charmian takes a second to like put everything together and then she kills then herself she kills too. Herself. And then everybody's dead and that's the play. Yeah, it ends. Yeah, and then Octavius <laughs> is like, oh, well, I guess I won, but I didn't want to win like this, but oh well. It's... It's really and he well he it's kind of a Romeo and Juliet end where he says like well we'll bury them together and we'll make it better and Mark Antony and they just skate over the part where then he immediately has uh, her firstborn son who is his cousin murdered yeah like we said it's a play with a lot of plot (laughs) but really the plot is just following this wild relationship between Antony and I would say between Antony and Cleopatra and then between the idea of Antony and Cleopatra and Dino Barbas that's your play those two relationships are your play my question is do we want to start with like the historical context that we did a little bit of skimming research on yeah and then dig into the characters i think so okay take it away <laughs> so uh, as we were we were reading this uh danielle has been making notes for uh, a cut of this play for a project and the whole time where she, uh, Cleopatra often refers to Caesar as her ex. So for the whole first act, I was like, oh, Caesar, like the one who's also in the play, Octavius Caesar. Yeah. And then Charlotte was like, let me just research that for a because minute. Because I was like, I, I feel like I have a hazy memory from like Latin class or some history class of her having a thing with Julius Caesar. But does that track time wise? It does. So Cleopatra one, her childhood was absolutely wild. Go read the Royal Diaries Which book Which both it. of us read as children. Of us Remember read. those books with the gold on the pages? <sighs> Very cool. They had gold. Millennial girls will know. <laughs> they had gold-edged pages. Uh, yeah, and hers was especially wild. One, because she had the most pets, which is always kind of my metric for choosing a favorite character in any grouping. So she was my favorite of the princesses because she had, like, a leopard and a monkey. And her, like, her little sister, or one of her sisters is killed and the head is served to her on a platter there's just all kinds of she and her siblings were always like infighting and their father was playing them against each other um so anyway she had like a, a real rough childhood eventually she ends up on the throne but it's in a sort of kardashian way yeah like lots of wealth lots of fame yeah and lots, lots of siblings of fucked up sibling relationships yeah very manipulative parents also kardashian in that she wasn't actually black but appropriated a lot of the culture um she was from the ptolemy dynasty who were all descended from Ptolemy, Alexander the Great's general, who he gave Egypt to after he, he, you know, his empire fell apart. So they were originally Greek. Cleopatra was actually a very cool ruler in that she was the very first of the Ptolemy rulers to learn Egyptian. And like, she really, she really was culturally Egyptian. She adopted all of like Egyptian religious practices. She was very- Including dressing up as Isis. Yeah, hell yeah. She was religiously tolerant. She like oversaw building of um, like synagogues and temples for other faiths and a temple to her ex. (laughs) 
Caesar. Uh, so she and her brother are married to each other, which wasn't weird then because very strong Targaryen vibes from the Ptolemy dynasty. They came from another area and just like ruled the hell out of Egypt and kept marrying brother to sister to like keep their line pure. So she doesn't love sharing power with her brother mm-hmm. and they have a rift over whether or not Egypt should try to align itself with Rome because Julius Caesar, our guy, as seen in Shakespeare's The West Wing, or Julius Caesar, has been <laughs> conquering everything. And sh- so she's like, we should probably get in bed with them so Literally we don't get and conquered. Figuratively and figuratively her, her brother's like, no, and also I hate you. She's like, fine. So she has her, according to legend, has herself delivered to Julius Caesar rolled up in a rug. Which is? Hot. Yeah. Uh, She's 22 and he's like, I don't know, in his 40s or 50s or something. Probably 40s. And uh, like late 40s. And so she seduces him and she's like, babe, we're dating now. I'm going to build you a temple. It's going to be great. Oh, by the way, help me defeat my brother, Uh, which he does. There's also an interlude where her 11-year-old sister overthrows Caesar for a hot minute and then they catch her and eventually murder her. But it's a really cool kind of, you know, 15 minutes of fame for the the Kylie Jenner of the Ptolemy line. Yes. Arsinoe, I'm not sure how to pronounce it because I... I did insufficient research. Anyway, so Cleopatra and Caesar, they never officially get married, but they're dating for a hot minute. Um, She has a baby, her first son. Oh, she also, they kill her original brother and then she is forced to ceremonially marry her other brother who she then poisons. You know, she wasn't perfect. She wasn't. She made mistakes. She had some really rough sibling relationships. Yes. But Um, she... She did her thing, she, lived her so truth. So she, she lived her truth. So she has her firstborn son and she names him Caesarion just to make it super clear this is Caesar's kid. And Caesar never acknowledges Caesarion publicly, but Cleopatra sure does. Cleopatra's like, hey everyone, this is my son Caesar, the son of Caesar, and is really clear about it. She was actually living in Rome for the first two years of Caesarion's life, like in Caesar's guest house while he's still married to Calpurnia. It's a big old mess. And then Caesar gets stabbed. And Cleopatra just happens to be in Rome with her son Caesarion when he gets stabbed. Yeah, I mean, they were, she did live in Rome when Caesarion was a baby, presumably to be like, oh, Caesar, don't mind me, I was just hanging out here with your biological son. But also, like, did she know that this was in the wind? And I'm like, was did like, she set this plot in motion? Did she just <laughs> hear about it? I don't did know, she know, but that- I want the... Pr- I- truly want the dual <laughs> productions of Antony and Cleopatra and Julius Caesar that are running in rep with each other mm-hmm. where Cleopatra is just an extra like just, just in, like the, in the shadows of Julius Caesar or like maybe is the soothsayer I don't fucking oh, know yeah. same then, soothsayer same both. soothsayer and both yeah. actually non-negotiable um, but that she's just like there yeah. and then in the next one you're like oh I remember that girl anyway fucking wild. So Julius Caesar dies. She goes back to Egypt. Yeah. And side note about Julius Caesar and that whole plot, Brutus, like Brutus, like et to Brute, like the guy from Julius Caesar who has the whole plot to kill Caesar, may have been Caesar's biological son also. Mind blown. Doesn't that, this is, this is our little <laughs> mini, I will remember you. This is Will the, you remember me? This is the segment where we say things that, that we, we should have said we in wish other podcast said episodes. In, in previous episodes. Oh my god, the idea <laughs> of Brutus as Julius Caesar's son changes literally everything about that play. It also explains why 
they don't ever really establish their friendship, but like, yeah. what a beautiful thing. If you can figure out how to make that clear to an audience <laughs> quickly and then just like, let that be everybody's problem. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Or if Brutus, cause there's also a chance Brutus didn't know. So mm-hmm. also if like Julius knows and then Brutus finds out later. As Caesar is dying, he holds up a 23 and me results page. <laughs> he holds up a locket that is the other half. <laughs> Brutus, Brutus has the other half of the lock. Brutus is Annie from Annie. Or Brutus like realizes that his biological love for peanut butter and Oreos <laughs> a la your Lindsay Lohan parent trap. That would be so good. It's so funny. Um, anyway, but it's, yeah. it's also there's a chance that he wasn't his son, yeah. but it's interesting but, to realize that that is one potential historical theory. <laughs> Even if Brutus wasn't Caesar's son, it is historical fact that Caesar was having a pretty well-documented love of, and very long-term love affair with Brutus's mom. So even so if that, maybe it should just be, at two Brute, I fucked your mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just, that's just there also. Yeah. So, so there's that. So there's, end anyway. Of, end of mini segment. And, back and to, back to, back to Cleopatra. So Cleopatra's like, hang, she's hanging around town being like, oh, Caesar's dead. Hmm, weird that I just have like Caesar's only biological son right here with me now, this baby who I've conveniently named Caesarion. But then everything but, gets crazy and Octavius well, comes in. But also to avoid that exact thing happening, Caesar legally adopted his grand nephew Octavius. And in his will, it's like, I want Octavius and no one else to be my heir. So he very specifically makes it Octavius and Cleopatra's like, drat, foiled again. And so with her with her nails and her team of nannies, she returns to Egypt with her son Caesarion. Yes. And so meanwhile, Rome is a is a hot mess. Octavius he teams up with Antony because Antony was Caesar's bud, and they get Rabbit Man on board. Lepidus. Lepidus. I keep forgetting his name. I mean, who knows if that's maybe it's Leopides. I anything could happen. It's Lepidus in this we, one. We're calling him the Rabbit Man. I Rabbit like Man. That. Rabbit Man. <laughs> Bugs. Bugs Bunny. Bugs. 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 Uh, so they team up. <laughs> with Bugs, who's very nondescript. Pompey is butthurt because he was the one who like invented hating Caesar because he and Caesar were on a team together. And then Caesar, one, he married Caesar's daughter and Caesar's daughter, who he loved very much, and Caesar's daughter, Julia. Julia. Yeah, Julius's daughter, Julia, because that's how the Romans do it. And she died and Pompey was real sad. And Caesar was like, would it help if you married one of my nieces? And... Pompey was like, no, no, it wouldn't help Julius. You asshole. That's so rude. And so they kind of, things Tiff soured forever. between them. And then also Caesar was like, mm, what if I just stayed a dictator forever? So anyway, they're fighting Pompey and then later Pompey's son. Uh, meanwhile, Antony is like doing war all about and Cleopatra's like scheming because that's her whole thing. And she's like, hey. She's scheming. Also, she was like buds with Herod. Yeah, like, I was you know waiting from for the when Bible, we that Herod. In. You know, Herod, like, you know, like, like Herod. Yeah, so it's crazy because she's, he's just like a, an historical figure yeah. who was friends <laughs> with Cleopatra. Yeah, she like helped him out. Maybe she, she hung out with Jesus. It, I don't know. It's improbable because I think she died significantly before he was born. But you know, time can be off sometimes. Time can be off. And also, the whole point is that Herod like left where he was to go hang out with Cleopatra and then went back. Yeah, but still, Um, yeah, and so just Herod. Yeah. Also, the you know, for those of you keeping score at home, tick in favor of Cleopatra being a very chill monarch was that she like 
gave refuge to a lot of refugees and stuff. And, you know, she tried to, she did some okay things. I don't know. I feel like we've been dumping on her because in this play, she's just like a Kardashian monster. But so she goes and she's like, hmm, last time I seduced a Roman general, it went well well for me. So like, let's try that shit again. So she dresses up as Aphrodite um, and like orchestrates this meet cute with Antony to make sure that again, she's always- She's like sailing by on a boat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she's just like, oh, me, I just happened to be out here wearing my fetish gear and I ran into you. How random. So they strike up a, a relationship and, and again, in this play anyway, she argues constantly that like her love for Caesar was nothing compared to her love for Mark Antony, yeah. which obviously is questionable because it's history, but that does seem to kind of be the general feeling from history, well, is that yeah. her, her relationship with Antony was something special or something particularly intense. It does seem like they, they had more of a an equal relationship or more of a passionate relationship. I mean, she was definitely a woman who was like very smart about who fathered her children, very smart about who who she aligned herself with she used her sexuality for political uh for political means which like hey girls gotta do what girls gotta do yeah no, um, no shade so so she she and antony um have this relationship antony's wife fulvia um yes. well n- before that she did start to bring wars upon caesar make wars make, make, make wars. wars um they have make their wars not war yeah they had their first kids together were a pair of twins who uh, Antony and Cleopatra had a pair of twins who Cleopatra named Alexander Helios and Cleopatra Selene so which sun and moon so sun and moon and also the daughters Dad, named after son, her daughter moon yeah although Alexander wasn't Antony's name that's fair his name was Mark which I feel like we're also <laughs> skipping over that his name was just straight up just like Mark, Mark and Cleo just like Mark uh, and I like that she named her daughter Cleopatra. I know. Also that she named them Sun and Moon. Again, like big Kardashian energy. Um, and then their last child together was, I, I think his first name was just like Ptolemy, which is confusing because they're all named Ptolemy, but he was named Philadelphos. So her kids were named like Caesar, Sun, Moon, and Philadelphia, which is like- Fantastic. Uh, yeah, just great. Just like- Very celebrity. Very names. celebrity. The more things change, the more things stay the same. <laughs> it's very comforting in this yeah. time of, you know, upheaval um, to know yeah. that some things will never change. And the most of the boys were probably killed, but little Cleopatra did grow up to be a queen after her parents were killed. Which um, is cool because- it was kind of all Cleopatra ever wanted was yeah. for her kids to ascend the throne. So even though she, she did meet a sort of mm-hmm. untimely end that involved a snake, she did, you know, get what she wanted cosmically. Yeah. And but- she was kind of a badass ruler. I recommend looking up her, her whole thing because she led a wild life, but like did some cool things as a monarch. Yeah. And also that whole scene that is described where they had probably a marriage ceremony and they, they led the uh, royal family of Armenia in a triumph. One, that was because they were like, hey, Armenia, let our son marry one of your kids. And they were like, no. They're like, fine, we'll invade you then. And also it ha- they Poor held Armenia. it in a, in a gymnasium. And also they probably got married then. Yeah, so it's like a lot of historical things in this play, which is fun. It's also interesting because it feels like a lot of Shakespeare's history plays deal with the history very seriously Mm -hmm. or map the history onto something that would have felt more familiar to Shakespeare's times, which happens all the time in writing adaptation. But this one feels like, weirdly, it takes the history and it makes it a backdrop. 
Yeah. Because probably the average viewer would have had at least a working knowledge of this history. And even if they didn't, they would know the major points. So this play isn't so concerned with like the specifics of the wars or even like giving them their due. It's more concerned with, in again, my opinion, taking these and being like, LOL, this is a funny scene that might have happened on a battlefield. It's arrested development with a yep. war backdrop. It's Yeah. It really is. And I I would have to do some um, more grounded research to know if this is true, but it, it does feel like this is history that probably, if you have had as much schooling as Shakespeare, you would have been very familiar with because the um, Elizabethans were straight obsessed with ancient Rome and ancient Greece. So it, it does feel like a kind of like playing with this history in a fun way. Yeah. Because also, Julius Caesar, like, they're really telling you the story beat by beat. I, I don't mean that in a, like, show versus tell way. No, but, like, again, like, Julius Caesar, you're watching, one, the sort of these two tragic figures, I would argue, the, the Julius mm-hmm. Caesar and the Brutus, and them grappling with these big ideas about, you know, a movement versus a man, and what is the right thing for how you rule a country, and they really take us beat by beat through how they get to killing him and then how they get to Octavius being in mm-hmm. charge. Whereas again, this one, it's... No big ideas. N- no, not no a lot ideas. of big ideas. And, Smooth brain. And a lot of these moments that feel like they they could have been your St. Crispins or they could have been your big bad battle and instead they choose to write this other scene that's just funny yeah, and, and they're sillier. played for comedy, all of it. I do think, like, it definitely does play into some stereotypes about, uh, like, women, like, Cleopatra. Women be like. Women be like stabbing messengers. But in terms of her being this. I want that as a meme. (laughs) Her being this jealous heartbeat. She's also. But at the same time, like, for all of that, she's also. She is the smartest person in the room, and weirdly, not the most emotional one. Like, you've got Antony kills himself hearing she's dead, and she's like, okay. I got other things to do. Well, what I was going to say is that, like, she's also very clearly patterned on Dido from the Aeneid, Mm. who, like, kills herself over her boyfriend leaving her, but in a kind of subversive way in that when her her boyfriend actually does die, she's like, well, you know, I'm maybe actually not going to kill myself now that I see how that goes. That's pretty messy. Um, And she only actually kills herself out of, out of pride in the end that she doesn't want to be shamed and she doesn't want that to be the legacy for her kids. And also everyone else in the play is just as bonkers as her. Yes. Like Antony is just as unstable and she's definitely more submissive in the scenes with Antony. Like he's, he does a lot of yelling at her, especially in the latter half of the play, but no one is like even tempered or reasonable. No, and all of again, all of the except rulers, Reno Barbas, except Reno Barbas. Although even he is a little intense, that he jumps from being obsessed with his best friend's relationship mm-hmm. to a point that you can definitely, if you want to, make him in love with Antony or Cleopatra or mm-hmm. just a total fanshipper, which to me is the most fun choice. <laughs> Going from there, wildly swinging to like, I'm so disappointed, but I'm still so loyal. And then to like, wow, I can't believe I left. I'm going to kill myself. I, I feel like, again, Shakespeare always leaves you hints. And so again, you can play this play with a straight face. I pulled up some videos today to see if it's usually played as funny as it felt when I read it. Mm-hmm. And it looks 
on a cursory glance, like the answer is no. But if you look at the clues that Shakespeare leaves you, like every time there's a death, there's someone who's trying to talk still, or there's someone who's like, you know, just responding in a silly way, in this way that feels very winky. And even like the language being used, like there are multiple times that they use the word garboyle, which just sounds funny. And like the number of times they repeat the name Fulvia. Fulvia, yeah, exactly. There's just a lot of stuff there that's silly. Also, the, the, I think the initial exchange that made both of us go like, wait, is this play funny? Was when Fulvia dies, which happens pretty early on, Fulvia's Antony's first wife, who he's cheating on Cleopatra with at the beginning, or cheating with Cleopatra on in the beginning. And the messenger comes on and is like, Fulvia's dead. I think it's when he's talking to Eno yeah. Barbus later, and he's like, Fulvia's dead. And Eno Barbus is like, dead? And he's like, dead. Yeah, <laughs> dead, just, dead, dead. There's a lot of like, she's dead, 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 oh. And it's like, it's like a Seinfeld rhythm. Like there are just things about comedy in the English language that if you make a certain sound, it is funny. If you make a certain rhythm, it is funny. And this play has them everywhere. Start to finish, beginning to end, doesn't matter who's dying, it's everywhere. It's also, I think it's easy to take Shakespeare's whole body of work and be like, all of these have... They're all Shakespeare, so they almost have a a similar style and stakes and whatnot. But I I think each play has its own internal logic. And this one, they establish pretty early on that, like, all these people are garbage. Like, we don't get those scenes of Antony and Cleopatra being incredibly noble and No, and we don't get, like, the really... Even, like, there's the poetry of their relationship is you know, A, kind of funny, like one of them's talking over the other one or they're being a little manipulative yeah. or whatever, or like kind of dramatic. It's it's not Romeo and Juliet it, or even Much Ado. Like it's not, yeah. it's not that. It ain't that. It's not that. And it, it, it seems like the characters also, I mean, obviously they care a lot because, or Ana Barbas especially. I love um, him. Our baby. If you know the actor Zach Woods, <laughs> if you ever read this play, Picture him delivering every line. He plays the play Gabe becomes in the, the fun. Yeah, Gabe in the office, or if you've watched Avenue Five, he's that guy, Matt. Matt, but him via Matt in Avenue Five playing Unabarbus is what I pictured through this whole play. And it's Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, but I think in in this play, which is theoretically about people who care a lot about things because they're killing themselves over things, it's a lot of. They're very careless people. It makes me think of the the Great Gatsby quote, like they're careless people and they would just smash up cars and lives and retreat back into their vast carelessness. Like it's about the upper class in this very unempathetic way that I love. Yeah, they just, they wage these wars over petty things. Like your wife did this to me, so I'm going to wage war at you and you're cheating on this person, so I'm going to send troops for that. And it's like, literally Mark Antony has a line when he's justifying what happened to Caesar where he's like, oh, Fulvia just started those wars because she was jealous that I was in Egypt and she wanted me to come home. Yeah. They're these selfish, petty people who treat, I mean, honestly, like talk about the sub game being a uh, people abusing messengers like they treat the people who work for them awfully for the even most they're part. saying crispins they make everybody cry like it's, it's not they're not inspiring they're not noble they're not just and even then when you turn to like you know the scene where Anthony's trying to get someone to kill him yes you could play that like no you're too noble i don't want to do that to you but you could also do it like I don't want to be a murderer for like, you. No, I don't want to kill. I don't want to be responsible for killing you. One, I don't want to kill you. Two, if I do, 
Cleopatra might come after me, or yeah, Caesar might come after me. You're like, I don't want to be involved in this game. I don't want to like, be a footnote in this piece of history. And like the fact that Antony's suicide is him being like, oh god, all right, well, if Cleopatra did it, I guess I have to also do this. And then he realizes she didn't, and then her suicide is. Okay, well, yeah, I don't want to be a prisoner of war. I'd rather... And she goes down a litany of all the ways that people are going to mock her if she's conquered. And that's why she does it. So it's really... It's not about love. Their relationship is bad. It's not about honor. Even Caesar, when he... Octavian Caesar, when he has all the lines about, like, Antony dead, but Antony's such a great man. It really... The way I read it, at least, was that he feels guilty that he's caused his bud to die over his, like, weird incest jealousy. It, it's all these petty, powerful people having petty squabbles about power. And also part of why it's fun, which, again, we'll get into, into during our next episode, yes. is how there are so many small things that they do that are one-to-one with today. The Instagram yeah. stalking and all that. So it's a, it's a fun, weird play. Also, even the structure of the scenes, like the fact that during the wars, there are all these really short scenes, yeah. to me implies it's Shakespeare going, keep it moving, keep it moving, keep it moving. It's a comedy. We got to keep on rolling. Rather than like these long battle strategy scenes that we get in some of the other histories. Yeah, I mean... It's like, get us back to Cleopatra, get us back to Cleopatra. Yeah, like, you do often see those kinds of scenes when Shakespeare does, like, a battle scene. There'll be lots of, like, quick snatches of people talking through the fog of war. But this one, they are so short that it it really feels like an Arrested Development cutaway. Yeah. Oh, my God. like, Antony... Antony's like, I am am fine on sea, narrator. He wasn't. (laughs) He's not good at sea. He's bad at fighting on the sea. It's such a good scene where everyone is like, Antony, you know you're bad at fighting on sea. Please don't fight on sea. And he's like, don't tell me not to fight on sea. That makes me want to fight on sea even more. And then he does and he loses. Uh, Oh my god, I love Roman history. Also read up on the real Cleopatra, because her life was very interesting. Yeah. And tragic but like also she just she just went out and did it you know she lived her full truth i wonder what her zodiac sign was oh my god i'm gonna oh we probably can't find that let me see if i google can find it that. just it's her just birthday was 69 bc so we could oh no it's her death day we found. wait google cleopatra zodiac sign wait what what day is the sea wait 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 okay hang on hang on when was the battle of actium oh yeah because it's, it's her birthday when was the battle of actium <laughs> I like that they say she's a Capricorn. September 2nd, that would make her not a Libra, a Virgo. <gasps> she was a Virgo. She was a Virgo. So you heard it here well, first. it's also entirely possible that Shakespeare didn't know when her birthday was. And he just wanted that and fucking joke. And he just joke. put her birthday on that day. But wow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to now believe that. Cleopatra that she was, was a Virgo. Virgo. I, I got more Capricorn or Scorpio vibes. True, but that might have been like her moon or her midheaven. Yeah, no, she was true. a bit of a perfectionist. She was she like, was I want this to be my way or not at all. Yeah. And a little earth mm-hmm. mothery with her like weird dress up stuff. Yeah, and like she loved her kids. Loved her kids. Which only Virgos do. So follow us on social media. Yeah, we've got an Instagram, we've got a Twitter. It's pretty much all what underscore you underscore will underscore podcast. Some of them are different. The Some Twitter them... is different, but it's a secret. Okay, wait. Let me pull up. No. Let me pull no, up what the late. Twitter is. Doesn't matter. No. You can also email us at whatyouwillpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. I've been Charlotte Ali. And I continue to be Danielle Cohn. Bye. Bye.
have a picture of Zach Woods on our refrigerator. Oh, that's something you should know. Did we say that last time? I don't know, but we're just going to say it again. I'm proud of it. Zach Woods, if you're listening to this episode, we do have a picture of you on our refrigerator. In a normal way. In a normal way. Not in like a creepy way. Not in a bad way. No, we just love your work. And so we do have an 8 by 10 photo of you. (laughs) As though you've given us your headshot. Yeah, it's also definitely not a photo he would use as a headshot. It's like a kind of bad. It's like a little bit of bad photo of you, Zach Woods. But if you want to send us a nicer picture of you, we'll take that too. (laughs) I can't tell if my obsession with him is ironic or not. 